This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's the MLB trade deadline that is slowly coming to a halt. The biggest news of the last hour is one dude didn't want to be traded. Yeah. He (laughs) didn't want to go from Detroit to L.A. To Los Angeles. And the good L.A. Right. Like the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, not not even the bad L.A., the good L.A. Yeah, the really fun one that wins all the time. No, man, I've I've pitched in the playoffs before. I'm I'm good. good. We got this booking in October. You I don't want to miss. the weather in Detroit in August? <laughs> it's weather. Yeah, if you're not going to be here in August, when are you going to be here? Like, why, why would I leave now? Uh, he's Peter Klein. I'm Logan Gordon. We're bringing you hour three of the program. It is Sportsnet today. Here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, it is the MLB's trade deadline. We are under an hour to go. And yes, you couldn't gather it by our uh, intro there. It's uh, slow times for the insiders. We continue to wait. Uh, for any other potential Blue Jays news, the one move they have made today, Paul DeYoung acquired shortstop from the St. Louis Cardinals. That's the Jays and Cardinals meet up again for their third trade in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Justin Verlander and a whole lot of cash uh, being sent to the Houston Astros today and past that a couple of uh, smaller moves. But past that, we'll wait and see if the next 57 minutes or so produce any sort of news and we'll bring it to you here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We are in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Azam and Taylor are outstanding producers this hour. Uh, we've got uh, hour two in the books, the WPCA Insider Report there as mm-hmm. well. And uh, we broke down the trade that wasn't actually a trade because he didn't want to go uh, to L.A. But we'll kick off this, uh, this hour, Klein, as we await more baseball news with some actual tangible news that's happened in the NHL today. Uh, some players have gone to salary arbitration with their teams, some uh, avoiding the Boston Bruins on both ends of that today. Jeremy Swayman and Trent Frederick getting deals done with the team. Jeremy Swayman being awarded a $3.475 million contract from the neutral arbitrator while Trent Frederick uh, and team come to terms on a two-year deal worth $2.3 million for the 25-year-old forward. Of course, Swayman and Allmark made one of the best NHL tandems last year in net. People love the goalie hugs. People love (laughs) the goalie low fives. Bruins won the President's Trophy last year, but were unceremoniously dumped in round one by the eventual Eastern Conference champion, Florida Panthers. And this offseason has been mostly one of loss for them. Orlov gone, Bertuzzi gone. And most recently, Patrice Bergeron retiring. How do you see the Boston Bruins right now? Uh, incomplete is how I see the Bruins. They, they have to do something. And that something is a little bit trickier with, with how things went today with Swayman getting 3.475. Because right now they have $429,000 of cap space. So it is, um, it, it's a team that is absolutely lacking a first-line center now that Patrice Bergeron is uh, retiring. Coyle's not it. Pavel Zaka's not it. 
Um, so the, they are absolutely a team that is in the market. They just, it basically has to be dollar in, dollar out at this point because of where they are at in with the, the salary cap. It, it's going to be very, very snug. And all of that is with um, a, a forward group that is basically like, that is just at 12. Like they, they don't have a whole lot of extra wiggle room there. So th- this is, a, I think, a team that I, I think needs to, needs to make at least one more move to stay as competitive as they've accustomed to, but they just don't really have the pieces to do that. Where are they in the Atlantic? Toronto, Tampa, Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, Montreal, and Boston. They smoked everyone last year. Plus 128 goal differential, 135 points. They finished the year on an eight-game winning streak. They lost four times in regulation at home, couldn't get it done in the postseason. Are they still a can like where are, are they a playoff team in your mind? Are they a wild card? Where do you see Boston? I still think they're a playoff team uh, as of right now. Probably, probably like not first in the division. I, I think Tampa Bay or Toronto probably has that. And I get Toronto's reputation, even just saying they're ahead of Boston is going to get chuckles from someone. But as the, the roster sits right now, that's where they are at. They're they certainly below Tampa Bay and Toronto. Then after that, I still don't think, like, w- with everything that Ottawa's done, um, I-, I don't think they're better than Boston. Florida, you could make a, a pretty good case that Florida, given, like, a-, a full year now with Matthew Kachuk there, everyone has kind of gelled. They have the playoff success. So you, you can make a pretty compelling argument that Florida would be ahead of them. So now you're, you're bumping Boston into that wild card spot. Um, in the East. So I think they are kind of in that area. Still absolutely contending for a playoff spot, but probably more a wild card than a historic regular season at this point. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm concerned about this team and the drop-off that, that they could see, especially the fact that, you know, a guy like Brad Marchand's 35. Uh, if he takes any sort of step back offensively for this team, he's dealt with some injuries already in his career. Uh, I, I think David Pasternak's a great player, don't get me wrong, but I, I think he's been helped a lot by the fact that there's been great players around him. There's been great center ice play around him for a long time now. I, I just I, I look at this team and I just first of all, I don't love Zaka Coyle down the middle, especially in that division. Name me all the top centers in that division. Right. And Boston might have the worst group of anyone. Yeah. That's, and that's not even hyper, that's not hyperbole, that's legit. Yeah. And that's why you've heard them talked about as potentially going out and getting a number one center. And look, um, that's a great conversation to have, but there's, I don't know who you're trading on this team to get a number one center. You can talk right. about Fabian Lysel or uh, the fun defensive prospect, maybe Jeremy Swayman. I, I wouldn't do that if I was Boston, but I don't think they have the assets to acquire a number one center if if P- the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade is somewhere near in any way, shape, or form what it costs them to get close to a number one center or a center that's better than the two they have, yeah. they frankly don't have the assets to no. get it done. No, it would have, like, DeBrusque would have to be in it, basically just from a money standpoint, right? Because it, it has to be money in, money out. And say, if you were going to do a, just because of the market we are in and the, the compar- uh, comparisons with the players, if it was going to be Lindholm, um, DeBrusque has to be in it just to try to make the money work. And then you have to add another player off of your roster 
and off of your cap friendly page to to be able to to make this thing work. And it can't be too much over what Lindholm is making because the flames are hooped when it comes to, to salary cap stuff, too, unless you can get third teams involved to start retaining salary and stuff like that. But Arizona's not in that business anymore, so it gets tricky. They are in a, a very, very, very difficult spot right now because that is such a glaring hole. But the rest of the roster you like right now, it's just one of the two most important positions on the ice that you have an issue with, which is down the middle. The, the wings are still fine with Pasternak, Marshan. Um, I, I happen to still kind of like DeBrusque. You do lose Taylor Hall um, in in the move at the, the beginning of the offseason, but I still like a few of their pieces at forward. The blue line is, is still solid, and the goaltenders are still what they are. So you, you like a lot of the pieces here. It's just one very important omission from from this group right now, and as we've discussed, it's going to be it's going to be tricky for them to do it. They don't have the uh, picks in the first three rounds this year. They don't have their second round pick next year. Um, like that there's that they have kind of run out of bullets in the chamber to, to try to make this thing work. Well, and I would say that their best option to potentially get a number one center is Jeremy Swayman. And I wouldn't be trading Jeremy Swayman knowing that Linus Allmark's 30 mm-hmm. and has this year and next year left on his deal. Like, I mean, already for Boston, that's got to be your priority next year. Assuming you haven't broken any bridges with, with Swayman through this arbitration process, which can happen. Yeah. He will be an RFA with Arbrights again next offseason. Where's the money come from for him? You just yeah. mentioned Jake DeBrusk. He's a pending UFA next year, too. Half of their blue four line. $4 million. <laughs> Grizzlick's off the books. Four boards. Boral, would he um, not need a? Would would DeBrus not get an upgrade on four million in your mind? I Maybe think not so. significant, but yeah, but like five and a half. Like okay, so there Lucic and Van Reems that come off your books. That's a that's two million dollars. Uh, Grizzlick, Forbort, Zaboral, Shattenkirk, all off your books frees up some money, but you need you to replace to, yeah, those guys. You have to fill those spots. Like it's just, I it's not a a, a great spot for Boston right now. Yeah, and it's like I don't think they can blow things up because you have like Pasternak making eleven point two five for forever. Um, like, are are you going to blow this thing up and, and try to like strike while the iron is hot with this uh, dynastic run potentially coming to an end? I, I don't think they are. I, I think that they are going to be a team that thinks they can be competitive. Um, could they get something for Linus Allmark? Could you go that way? He's $5 million. I think if you're Boston, you convince yourself that the style of play that you have and the, the decor that you have, at least for this season, is good enough that if you have to put more of the workload on, on a Jeremy Swayman, you just do that, find backup goalie X, and you go from there. I wonder if that's where some of the, the cap relief is maybe coming from for uh, for Boston. It's just like... <sighs> But at this point in the offseason, who it's also late in the offseason. We're like, it's August. Teams yeah, I don't want him. He's got a modified no trade. He has a 15 team list. 15. Yes. So half the league's gone already. Yeah. And then the other half that say even half of that list doesn't need goaltenders. Right. You're down to probably a handful of teams that, that maybe you could make a deal with. Yeah. And even then, you, you don't want any. You, I you, mean,. Don't want to take a whole lot of salary back. Salary returned. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, they're in a really, really difficult spot. It feels like the next, if you can, if you can really push Coyle and Zaka, maybe the next two years with Marshand, you're competitive. But then you've got, I look at you've got Lindholm long term. That's Hampus, (laughs) uh, Charlie McAvoy and Pasternak signed up long term. 
maybe you can go and get Jeremy Swayman to be part of that group. There's just not much behind. And look, you mentioned the fact they don't have any picks in the first three rounds. They haven't had picks in like a lot of drafts. Yeah. Like the pool is thin Mm -hmm. in Providence right now for the Bruins. Yeah. There's not a lot of guys coming up to join the core in Boston over the next couple of years. Yeah. So where, and I, I mean, would it stun you if a team like Buffalo comes in and, and, you know, takes a spot from them? I wouldn't be stunned by that. Nope. I just look at like the high end talent they still have with Pasternak, with Marshan, um, McAvoy, and, and some of those guys. Like it, it feels like they should still be able to hang around. Isn't but it high end without a guy like Bergeron around though? That's a fair point. Like how much of that, like Bergeron did a lot there. <laughs> You're not just replacing random guy, whatever. No, like, it's, this it's, is nice, to, it's nice to be drink, Brad so. Marchand and David Pasternak in the offensive zone when you start with the puck 60% of the time. Yeah. Drop, yeah. Even drop that to 45%, which is probably a, a slightly below average uh, NHL center iceman. Life gets a lot more difficult. I get it's like it's the draft and whatever. They've had one player play an NHL game from their drafts since 2018. Obviously, none from the most recent one or from last year. None from 21, none from 20, none from 19. Um, Jacob Locko has played 23 games with seven points. Um, and that's from the 2018 draft. Like, Not there's great. just that they haven't done a whole lot in the last little while. Uh, to to kind of like fill in this gap and try to to keep this thing going. Well, it's it's why Tampa's still a contender in my mind, and they're right. not right. If you're and because both of them have gone a similar approach. Now it's it's led to more Stanley Cups for Tampa Bay, and that's fair. And Boston hasn't won one in a long time. Mm-hmm. It's been a while now. Uh, Vancouver's in the rearview mirror now. Yeah. Um, you know, it only led to one with that group, and. You know, you have you have to start to hit on. I know it's I know it's not easy because if it was, everyone would do it. But if you're coming out of Tampa Bay's you know playbook, you have to hit on a third round pick, right? You have well, to turn a fifth round guy into something on your roster. I remember when we were doing those draft redos during the the pandemic in that golden age of sports content that we had, and you would just you would go through and oh yeah, there's a Tampa Bay player that they hit on in the seventh round, and like you go back and it was the Red Wings before that. Whereas you get into rounds that don't even exist anymore. And they have a dude who's played 554 games from there. And then you go on, oh, here's the third rounder. Here's Braden Point in the second round. Boston has none of that. Like literally zero games played from their drafts from 1990 or from 1999, from 2019 up to this moment in time. One from 2018. And then like after that, the, the most recent difference maker that they drafted was Charlie McAvoy in 2016. Like there's just there isn't that next wave coming along. So now you look at where they are at and where they kind of want to be. And it just feels like it does feel like you're maybe one or two players from getting away or from getting back to that. But getting that one or getting those one or two players is going to be difficult because you don't have the draft capital to do it. And you haven't drafted the prospects to be able to do it either. Yeah. And that's uh, that's bang on as far as I'm concerned, because now you. You have so little capital, even the one spot that you'd like to talk about. And look, and I get why people in this city have linked Lindholm to Boston. Yeah. Jeff Ward literally said he, he's it's Patrice Bergeron light. Yeah. And he, that's a he guy is, that's coached both guys. And he's wish.com Patrice Bergeron, for sure. That's a bit harsh. Wish.com <laughs> is a ripoff. You might 
Okay. If you thought you Sorry. bought Patrice Bergeron on Wish.com, you might get Jordan 2 too. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Right? He's... Yeah. We, we don't need a Patrice Bergeron. We have a Patrice Bergeron at home. Sure. That's, <laughs> that's probably... He's no name Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. He's no frills Patrice Bergeron, right? <laughs> um, it gets the job done, but it's a comparable product. Right. Right? Just don't check the ingredients. Um, I'm just kidding about <laughs> the wish, I feel like Wish.com has got a worse reputation than that. But then that's that's a fair point. But I get why people want to bring that up because it, it feels like such a natural fit. There's no, I'm sorry, there's no way I see that making it work. Unless Craig Conroy goes to them and says, I want your next five first round picks and I want Patrice Bergeron's firstborn. Yeah. Just in case he turns into the next one. I want his drafting rights whenever he's eligible in 18 years <laughs> to go to the Calgary Flames. Yeah. There there's just not there is nothing in that organization to trade for a number 1 center. So Lindholm's making 4.85 this year. DeBrusque is at 4, so you still need around $900,000 to do it, but not much more than $900,000 to do it because the Flames are right up against it yeah, as well. Right. So it's like DeBrusque and Zborl with Boston eating some of the the cap on uh, Zaboral, I guess. And then that just gets the and, money and to De, work. And is DeBrusque even a, an adequate asset in your mind? Or no. is he just the asset he that is, fits? He is the money. He yeah. is the money. And he is the kind of a, a higher end version of what they got in the, but older, um, in the, the Toffoli trade where, oh, you bring him in for a year and see if it works. And maybe this opportunity, it clicks for him. Although he is another one where it just so happens his best hockey was played with Patrice Bergeron beside him. So I don't, it, again, from a Boston perspective, it solves all of your problems. You, you have a first line center, McAvoy and Zaka move back into two, three, and everyone is happy. But it just, when you're actually trying to make asset for asset work, it just doesn't work. And I don't think it works better for any other first line center that just happens to be available. Oh, I don't like any of them. I really don't. The Brusk's um, a left shot. Yeah. And he's a he's a UFA guy. He's a, a yeah. I'm no uh, is that exactly the problem we have right now with with three of the guys is that their contracts up next year four or five of the guys. Right. I want to add another one to that list of to do things and why does he just okay well I'm just going to go back to Boston next year. Yeah. I just I'd rather go back to Boston next year. Um, I brought this up when Bergeron retired. That 15 draft should haunt the Boston Bruins for forever. It's the Dougie Hamilton draft. Oh, they have three picks in a row, and it's Borel, DeBrusque, and Sinitian. The three picks immediately after are Barzell, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. Just brutal. If you if you flip those, Boston's a dynasty, and we're talking, can they win 82 games in a row? It was a total <laughs> chance to reset themselves into the Stanley Cup contender market. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A guy that didn't want to be there anymore in Dougie, but was still a good young asset that was going to bring you back a ton. Right? And you were like, okay, well, I can add to the core here in Boston. We're going to get three first-round picks, and we're going to nail them all. We're going to get a top six, and we're going to get this, and then there's nothing. Yeah. Just, and I mean, Jake, De, I mean, Jake DeBrusque, good player. Yeah. But uh, Saboral hasn't played a full season. No. Stenshin's got 16 NHL games to his name. Those are the ones you, you can't miss out on you 13, 14, 15. You can't strike out like they did. No, no. You can't miss on all of those and expect to just be like right back into well, it. And again. you mentioned the, the next three names that go off the board. I mean, it doesn't even have to be that. 
Ilya Samsonov comes off the board in a couple picks. Yeah, Brock Besser, Besser is Konechny, better. I'd take those guys. Yep. Um, Bavillier comes off the board. He's got almost 500 NHL games it, it, to his name. Yeah, Sebastian, Sebastian Ajo goes Ajo's in the there. Not quite Mitch Marner, but uh, still a good player. <laughs> that's, a, that's a throwback. <laughs> that is a throwback. Uh, <laughs> that's one I still mention to him, by the way. Yeah. Still bring that up every now and then. Rupe Hintz goes in round two. Right, I mean, you had a chance to really, yeah. They had two picks in the second that they did better with, with Carlo and with uh, Jeremy Lozon. <laughs> Those guys have at least played games. But yeah, and now, like going back to the the trade after just getting those shots in on the the fifteen Boston Bruins. But going back to those trades, if you're Boston, do you want to be giving up future first round picks? I mean, you suck using them, so I mean, why not? We're not going to be using them. Man. You may as well take it. But what are the chances? Like, the, if this thing goes sideways, what are the chances those aren't high-level picks in, like, it, say you get a couple from them? Who's to say Boston's really good in 26, right? Like, what we're talking about a team that has so much turnover, lacking a number one center, and has some dudes who are getting up there in age. Like, there's a chance that the bottom just falls out of this thing, and now they've traded that for one last desperation of trying to, to stay relevant. It's a really interesting group and one that I think is going to be, I think, in tough, really, yeah. in, in a wild card spot. I, I The East has gotten so good. Look, and it wouldn't stun me. I don't love Ottawa. I still The goaltending is still a major issue for yeah. me. I think we're all just assuming but, Corpus Allo is going to be better than but he does, actually you know, is. No, but does, but, you know, yeah. Stutzler is starting to look like a real player. Brady Kachuk's the, just Jake Sanderson take a step forward. Detroit's right. still got some of those guys. Yep. I mean, would Montreal jumping up in points stun anybody? Yeah. Right? And, I mean, even then, Pittsburgh and Washington aren't pushovers. They didn't make the playoffs, and they're probably not as good with another year under their belt as they, you know, another age uh, Nick for, for Crosby and Malkin. Right. But I don't think they're going away without a fight. No. I Like, the Islanders get a full year with Bo Horvat now, so they're going to be hanging around up there, I think, as well, wildcard-wise. So you're competing with all of these teams for one spot, basically. Uh, the text line is open to you at 960-960. Uh, this one says, only good part of a brush trade would be Louie torn on who he has to cheer for. <laughs> That's from Terry. Uh, Mike from Airdrie says, I just got a feeling Vancouver's going to surprise a lot of people this coming season. Healthy Demko on an upgrade on defense. What do you think about that, Klein? I think they'll be okay. Um, it, it's just, it's such a poorly managed team. I don't know. Like, I guess, yes, they, they've they improved on the blue line, I suppose. Um, yeah, I guess, like, if they did something, it would surprise me. So you you, you are absolutely correct in that uh, correct in that assessment. Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins have a worst, uh, worst drafted players games played. I think it's something like four games played total all rounds, all drafts since they won a Stanley cup. Well, now I have to look at that for Penguins draft. This computer was here. I think before I worked here the first time, probably. Uh, okay. So obviously nothing from the most recent draft, nothing in 22, nothing in 21, nothing in 20, uh, four games played from, uh, draft picks in 2019. Mm. Uh, they get, um, Kalen Addison has played 80 games from their 2018 draft. Other than that. But that's not even with them. No. Uh, Philip Hollander played three games from their uh, 2018 draft. Nothing in 17. Uh, Philip Gustafson, goaltender, uh, has again. played 66 games. Again, not with them. super not for them. 
Uh, so yeah, you have to go back to 2015, where you have 268 games from Daniel Sprong. Again, not, not for them. Uh, and Dominic Simone, who's played 256 games. And then you get into... Yeah, it is. That's forever a flame, Dominic Simone. <laughs> Remember, he played. He did like seven games Look, that this, year. This guy's played with Crosby. He's going to bring that winning mentality to the Stockton Heat. The things that we try to sell ourselves on sometimes. <laughs> I remember it too. Yeah, hundred percent. There has to be something with Dominic Simone. Yeah, he's played with Sidney Crosby. You guys, he can't be terrible. He played. With Sid. Yeah. There has to be, he has to be a competent NHLer. Right? Right? Well. Right? Not more. Right? No. He's fast. Kind of fast. That's about it. He had three points uh, in the Czech Republic this year. Good. Which is three more than he had in the Flames organization. How did he play with Crosby? It doesn't (laughs) make sense. All we talked about for two weeks was that idiot was going to play on our top, we played with Crosby. He's yeah. so good. He's yeah, so you can put him, fast. Put him on that top line with he's Johnny. Chris Kunitz all over again. No, he's not. No. He was terrible. Yeah, he was not good. Stupid. One of the stupidest ones we ever tried to sell ourselves on here. 11 games played with the Flames, uh, and then the rest of it is Sam Mitchell. Zero, 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 zero. Not even, not even a plus, not even a minus, just even. God. Literally affected nothing. You ever sit, you're going to sit down on your deathbed one day, and you're going to sit there and go, God, I spent too much of my life thinking about Dominic Simone on the Flames. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about how that could work. The one like that for me was the spending an entire offseason. Look, you can't put Yanni Ordeo on waivers, <laughs> all right? You just you, you can't risk Thank putting God. Yanni Ordeo on waivers. <laughs> I've spent too much oh. of my time on this planet talking about Yanni Ordeo and the, the the lack of your ability to put them on waivers. The the days that we've been here for, that <laughs> just, I don't know anymore. But hey, at least things are better now, right? Yeah, certainly. Way better. Yeah, this team's Way fine. better. Uh, Noah960960 says, I think a full year with Levi Net Buffalo could be a wagon. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. No, you could convince me of that pretty um, easily. The more we go through it, the more it feels like Boston's in trouble. It feels like a lot of chips in on Pavel Zaka and yeah. Charlie Coyle. Who, like, both players I like. Sure. I like having them. I don't like needing them. Mm-hmm. You know? And it feels like they need them right now. Uh, and last but not least, um, I'm trying to read this last one. I lost it. I'll come back to it. I okay. lost it. I, the thing, someone texted it, I lost what I was going to. Anyways. Um, we just did the entire Boston segment, and still nothing happened. Yeah, literally zero just trades have happened no in baseball. No one's close to doing anything. No one wants to do anything. They're ruining our show. Uh, but we'll find out more on the <laughs> other side. Uh, we're down to the final countdown. We are just about 30 minutes away from MLB trade deadline 2023. Will they burn us once again and have us overhyping a show that didn't live up to expectations. I think that could probably be a self book that I write. <laughs> <laughs> expectations not met. The Logan Gordon story and the MLB 2023 trade deadline story. Uh, we'll dive into that next. We'll see if anybody makes any trades. They got to do it now or never. We'll find out uh, what happens as the MLB trade deadline comes to a close. That's next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Well, I don't know what the next 24-ish minutes are going to bring us, Mr. Klein, but I do know that we have at least one trade to Big tell one. you about. Yep. Uh, hey, of all the trades that have happened today, it's definitely oh, one of it's them. It's one of them for yep. sure. Could yep. you uh, perhaps let us know? The Pittsburgh Pirates have dealt catcher Austin Hedges to the Texas Rangers in exchange for international pool money. Hmm. Hmm. Blockbuster deals happening here at the trade deadline. Uh, Apparently, Colton Wong uh, was spotted saying his goodbyes to teammates in the clubhouse today. And Tommy Pham uh, stuck his head in the coach's office and then left the clubhouse in street clothes. So uh, signs... All signs indicating that those are two players who will be traded in the next 24 minutes. Those all feel like Johnny going off to go to the bathroom that one day. Yeah. And just to mess with the media. (laughs) I feel like that happens, right? Once everybody gets to the stadium and is hanging out for the day, going through workouts, you're getting ready for the game, you know everyone's there, right? You know everyone's watching. If all of a sudden through stretches a coach comes up to the guy and a little power... To see it, right? Oh, everyone's going to tweet about it. Yeah, right. Oh, I would be messing like... with everyone. Exactly. I would if yeah. I. Well, if you're if you're winning, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Losing know. it might be a little rough, but yeah, no, that's fair. So, that's um, one of the trades that's happened today. If this is it for the Blue Jays, does it feel like it's it's disappointing because you want big trades and all of these things? But does it feel like enough from a Toronto perspective to move the needle at all? Uh, I mean, knowing that Hicks is here too, I would be, I'd say somewhere in the mix of, of like an adequate train deadline. Yeah. But uh, I guess it would probably still leave me wanting more. Right. If you, if you want to talk about this team really being a a contender if they see themselves in that light and not just a playoff contender. Yeah. Not just a get to the wild card round and see what happens contender for once. Then I, I think they've, they will have come up short. Yeah. If this is all that's done. Yeah. It's it's the second year in a row where you come out of the trade deadline being like, yes, the Toronto blue Jays aren't a better team now than they were entering this trade period. But it still doesn't feel like enough to matter. And it didn't matter last year as they got bounced out by Seattle in heartbreaking fashion. Um, well, we'll see what happens this year. But it, it just it, it feels like, yeah, they're better. But I, I don't know. If the playoffs started today, they're playing the Houston Astros. I don't know if they're favored against the Astros going into Houston for a three-game series there. Well, and here's the thing. Offense has probably been my number one gripe with this team all year. A bat doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It helps, but it doesn't change that. And at the end of the day, Jordan Hicks doesn't help you if you're down 5 nothing in the eighth inning against Houston. Right. Right? That's... Yeah. that's you, you want to talk about having a great bullpen and those things are important. Uh, in the right circumstance, they're important. If this team continues to do what they did Monday night against Baltimore and that's have zero clutch hitting in their genes whatsoever, and look, maybe Whit Merrifield's uh, late 
drive gets down for most outfielders, and you can say that that's you know just a great play by a defender. They still left ten guys on base mm-hmm. last night. Yeah, it's too many, and that's been the case all year long. So until this team proves to me that first of all they can get a lead early on and sustain it, then I, I don't know that they're significantly better than than they were, and that's. Yeah, you you like Hicks isn't going to change them going over ten with runners in scoring position. No, last night. like he he can he can only do so much um, in, in those circumstances. And like you look at it right now, and the Jays were never going to be in on a a high level starting pitcher. But if we were to start the playoffs tomorrow, uh, I would imagine the the three starters for the Jays, if they could set up their rotation, would be probably Gosman, Barrios, and Bassett going into a, a, a thing, uh, a series. Right now against Houston, you're going up against Verlander, Framor Valdez, and Christian Javier. That it Now, Verlander's not what he was, but it does kind of feel like advantage Houston in that spot. And Houston's lineup is very, very good. Still very, very good, even though they, they are just a wildcard team. Like, you are not competing with just the Twins and the Guardians. That This is a, a very talent-rich top half of the American League that you're trying to compete with. And again, you weren't going to go out and get that difference maker. But like you said, like you're down two in the, the the seventh inning. It'd be nice to have another right-handed bat that you could bring in off of the bench to to help out with a, a lefty heavy lineup or something like that. Or it would be nice to have a starter if Bassett goes three plus, giving up four runs on six hits and has thrown 80 pitches. And now we got to get this thing to the sixth or the seventh inning. It'd be nice to have that extra guy there. It, it just, it feels like they are better, but not better enough to have caught up to the Astros, Rays, or Baltimore Orioles right now. Yeah, and look, Hicks will no doubt help yes, down sure. the stretch here, and I, I think Paul DeYoung coming in is perhaps a softer landing spot uh, if Bo Bichette does have to spend 10 days to two weeks on the IL to be 100% healthy. Uh, and those are good things. I'm not going to take them away from the Jays Mm-hmm. as being good things, but I think the the overriding point, and I think the one that you're making and I think correctly making is, has it moved the needle? Yeah. Right? Yeah, and they're I, better, but... The, like, I mean, best case scenario, you're and you've got plenty of games against them, best case scenario at this point is you track down Tampa for the top wildcard spot. Yeah. Right? That's That's probably best case scenario. Yeah. And in some way, shape, or form, you let Houston... And uh, Tampa Bay deal with each other in right. a wild card scenario. Uh, also, apologies, I did have it mixed up. The Blue Jays would play the Twins in the wild card round if things started today. Uh, in that case, I feel better about things. Uh, I've, I've changed my opinion. They win that wild card series. But, uh, but is the expectation to still, win a wild card right. series, or is it to win two or three series? Because yes. I think it's to win two or three series. You, when you have players like Bobachette and Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the contracts that you have them on. It should not just be, oh, man, it's sweet. We got through the American League divisional round before we got our heads kicked in. This should be a team that, like, over the last couple of years with acquisitions like uh, Ryu, like going out and getting Barrios, like going out and get George Springer, you do those so you can compete for championships. This team has not got close to that yet. And I'm not saying that the window is closing, but you're going to have to get very creative with things once you pay Vlad and you pay The Bo. window is closing. Yeah. The yeah, window like, of opportunity is absolutely closing. When, when, you have, like, when you have those guys, you do have a chance still, but to, to build a proper foundation around them, it is absolutely closing for sure. 
And they, I don't have at, a problem saying that. They, they, they need to be treating it as such. And they kind of just treat it like these guys are going to be around for forever. Yeah, and look, and maybe, for and, and maybe it's a situation where they want to see it more before you go out and invest everything in it, but you don't have a choice. No. Because you're, you're, I think it's, it's become pretty clear to me that your, your offense, which we thought would probably be the hallmark of this team, is a secondary at best to most of the teams you're going to have to play in the playoffs to do the kind of damage that you want to do. Yeah. So if that's, and if that's the one area you haven't been able to address in all of this, then yeah, I think it's at best a mediocre trade deadline. Yeah. And yeah, like it's, it's very, very frustrating. Cause I want to, I want to believe that Jordan Hicks is going to be a huge acquisition for this team. But again, if, if, we, if it's more nights like it was last night and they're down late, I would rather have him in high leverage positions mm-hmm. coming through in in those kind of moments where I need him to keep runs off the board uh, so that we can keep a lead, not so that we can stay in the game. Yeah, yeah, and like I and I know Blue Jays fans kind of fantasize about this team a fair amount, but you look back at fifteen, where it's just like you know what we're just doing it. They're, they're below five hundred at the time, and they get to Lewitsky and they go out and get David Price, and like we've. Talk to to people who've coached on that team and talk to people around that team. And they made those moves and they were just like, oh, we're just simply not going to lose for the next two months. Like it just, it brought a different level out of that team. And then they ran into a very weird Kansas City Royals squad and they lost in frustrating fashion. But still, they are a Ryan Goins error and Josh Donaldson not grounding out with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth away from potentially playing in a game seven in that series. And I get there's a lot of ifs and all of that in there, but they at least went for it. And just now, like with this group, it just feels like there isn't enough screw it. We're going for it. When, as you said, the situation is maybe a bit more, I don't want to say dire. Cause that's putting a, a bit too much on it, but the, the, the situation is a bit more dramatic than I think they're letting on right now. Well, it's probably more than they want to admit. That's also true. Yeah. Right. It's probably more. Cause like you said, you're right. you still have, Bichette, and you still have Guerrero on these deals, but look, George Springer gets another year older next year. Whit Merrifield and Matt Chapman aren't likely to be here next season. Uh, I mean, you could make a case looking at the starting lineup on most nights this year. I think you could make a case four of those guys might not be Jays next year in Merrifield, Chapman, Belt, and Kiermaier. Yeah, and all of them have been very important to this team. The first half of the season was was Kevin Kiermeyer's. Yeah, now it's Whit Merrifield. Now it's Whit Merrifield's. Uh, Brandon Belt's been their only option in the three hole because you still can't trust Vladdy at times to have a professional at bat. Someone has to set the table for him still. Yeah, which is so weird. Like you he, know? he had that and then he just lost it. Well, it was um, one of the things that that made him such a tremendous young player. Was that's always the young, hard thing as a young player. That's why Alejandro Kirk was so lauded because his dad played baseball and, and he grew up around baseball for a very long time was you learned how to have those professional at bats and not try to hit everything 400 feet into the right field and, yeah. uh, you know, wait for your pitch. He just hasn't done it. And there hasn't been I mean, name for me, the, the most clutch hit you can think of in the last year for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. There's just not many to go off of. Yeah. Right. If, if it's him versus, 
Danny you know, Jansen's had the X, most of them this year. Yeah, pitcher team. X in a key game for you or in a must-win situation. I don't know if I have a long history. that uh, Can he do it? I know he can. But will he do it? I don't know. And then you've got, you know, that's why Brandon Belt still needs to sort of be the adult at the top of the roster like that. And Yeah. And, but uh, you don't why love you've... hitting him against lefties, no. which is why you needed a right-handed option, which is why this next bit of news uh, kind of sucks. The New York Mets have traded Tommy Pham to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. That was one of the main targets that I think a lot of Blue Jays fans were kind of looking for of the available options to get a, another right-handed bat on this team. He goes to, to Arizona. Hmm. Interesting. Mets teardown continues. Mm-hmm. That's not, uh, uh, not much of a surprise given what they've done. Yeah. Diamondbacks have been busy. Yes. Surprisingly. I mean, they traded away their heart and soul with Andrew Chaffin being uh, being dealt to Milwaukee. Fair. So I don't know why they're even trying to exist as a franchise anymore. But yeah, like they've like they're one of those teams where they're kind of hanging around. Like you know what? Screw it. Let's just go for it. They are uh, again tied, in a tough division, tied for the last wild card spot with Milwaukee and Miami. That National League wild card race is going to be fun with some teams that you generally don't associate with that. Like. I don't know how many people going into this month were thinking, oh, man, can't wait to watch Milwaukee and Arizona play. But they have certainly taken some steps um, th- this year. Yeah, that Arizona team is going to be going to be interesting. Man, did I have Arizona at 57 and 50 ahead of, like, look at even that division. Yeah. The Dodgers, the Giants. Uh, Giants are way better than I thought they'd be this year. Yep. Padres are way worse than I thought they'd be this year. But it's still a good division. Totally, yeah. And they've still got a chance in that. I mean, the Phillies have done some. Brewers have done a little. But, yeah, I like them. I like their chances as much as anybody in that wild card spot. I mean, Dodgers. The game back of San Fran, why Why not us, right? Totally. Dodgers tried to do something today, but their geography came back to bite them as uh, Edward uh, Rodriguez as, yeah, as usual. decided to, to stay in Detroit, as one does when given the opportunity to go to L.A. But, yeah, like they, they have been busy. And it's, I mean, wonder what that's like. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, Noah says on the text line 960, you guys, the Blue Jays, had a much more successful deadline than we had. That's being uh, we in parentheses Yankees. Yes. Um, the Yankees, the best, the best. I, wouldn't for, have, I don't actually don't think it's a failure for the Yankees in my mind. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles are acquiring Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals. Was that a former Oriole already? Uh, I don't believe so. They've had people named Flaherty in the past, but I believe Flaherty is a born and raised St. Louis Cardinal. Um, but that is... 27-year-old. That is a very good arm that now goes to the leaders of the American League East. I was waiting for Baltimore to do something, to be honest. Yeah. And that, like, starting pitching is kind of the only hole you think of them as having. And they they rather aggressively filled that. Well, I saw someone on Twitter last night go... What if the Orioles made a push for Verlander? Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's actually a little bit frightening. I was so scared when they were in on Otani because it's it's all they need, right? Like this team can hit the cover off the ball. They have Felix Bautista in the ninth inning who just throws heater after heater and is absolutely unhittable. The only thing that was lacking is you didn't necessarily trust their starting pitching. And now, now you trust the starting pitching. A little bit better. Not a great year. Seven and six, 4.43 ERA. Uh, in 20 games this season for uh, for Jack Flaherty. Kid throws hard. He does throw hard. He, he is one Which where... Which is apparently a St. Louis thing. 
Yes, yeah, that's that's kind of how they've done it for the last little bit. He was one of those, like, he was on fire for a while, and then it just kind of stopped for him, and he's slowly been working his way back. Um, but in the 2019, he had a 2.75 ERA in 196 innings. Yeah. Yeah, so he was like, he was unbelievable, and then he just wasn't, and now he's trying to, to get back to that level. Hasn't been able to get that ERA down again. 4.91, So he's had a hard time keeping runs off the board lately. And it's been a weird year in St. Louis. I think they were really affected by the changes made. Like a lot of what St. Louis was able to do. I don't want to call it smoke and mirrors, but a, a lot of their effectiveness with their pitchers and uh, their defense was the ability to shift and doing all of those things. And the new shift rules, I think, have really kicked that team in the teeth. Uh, so we're into the final minutes. MLB trade deadline uh, about seven minutes away. We have some trades coming in uh, late here, as, as Peter just mentioned, Jack Flaherty acquired by the Baltimore Orioles. Um, Hedges is going to uh, the Texas Rangers uh, as they add some catching depth. Uh, I feel like I'm missing one there that we were just talking about. Or is that all of them? Uh, uh, Tommy Pham Tommy from Pham. Uh, the, the Mets you. to the Diamondbacks. So those uh, all coming down in the last few minutes here. We'll keep it locked here uh, close to uh, to trade deadline, as close to trade deadline as we can get here uh, on Sportsnet 960. We'll uh, keep it with you in case anything Jays comes down. Fam has been mentioned by a couple of Jays uh, reporters, including Ben Nicholson-Smith, as perhaps a guy that they might have been interested in as a bat uh, mm-hmm. for this team, but clearly not going to happen. Uh, maybe the price for uh, a Teoscar Hernandez just too high for this team. Right now, PK? I, I wonder I'm, what the asking price is for uh, a power bat who doesn't have a high average, who doesn't have the best reputation defensively on an expiring contract. Like, I wonder how much Seattle could legitimately be asking for for Tay Oscar. And look, like, the Mariners are actually playing pretty hot. Like, I am a touch surprised they are going the, the seller route. Again, we talked about it before. Um, you just have to have those honest conversations. The three and a half out, and I think they've won like eight of their last 11 or something like that. They just beat the Red Sox last night. And like they were a team that it felt like could be one of those ones that, yeah, screw it, we're in, let's go for it. Um, even though that might be against better judgment. So maybe they're just looking for the exact perfect package. And it's not. if it's not, then fine, we'll try to compete for a wild card here over the last 60-some-odd games. Yeah, it's interesting because it feels like Teoscar's a guy that they're definitely not keeping. Yeah. Like, it feels like he's, and I don't even want to say that he's destined back in Toronto because I don't I don't know that to be true. I, yeah. I don't have anything that, I don't know what the Jays would actually be willing to pay to bring him in. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a need. I mean, sure, if Kiermaier goes, uh, but you lose a bit defensively, um, you know, going from Kiermaier was part of the problem with everything is, yeah. you know, do you trust an outfield, you still have to bring in another outfielder, right? Like if you lose Kiermaier, you're not going to go into next year with Varsho, Hernandez, and Springer. Right. Right? Like you uh, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. You would need somebody else in there uh, and somebody significant. Yeah. I, I'm i hoping that Kiermaier's revitalization with the Blue Jays and all that talk at the beginning of the year, the Blue Jays like day one right away came at him. I hope that... Um, endure some goodwill with him, and he wants to stick around because he's been fantastic. I wouldn't mind team. at all if Kevin Kiermaier stuck around for another year. Yeah, I really wouldn't. I think he's been an excellent fit in the clubhouse. I think part of what they tried to do this offseason in Toronto was bring a more mature, game-ready attitude. You can still have fun. Yeah, like, oh, don't totally. get me wrong, but I think part of everything with Tay Oscar and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Vladdy and all of it was that sometimes 
it felt like baseball was secondary. Yeah. And that can't be, that can't, even if it's not true, it can't appear that way. And it felt like this team rode the roller coaster a lot. Like when things are going well, everything's great. And if things are going bad, it's like a lot of boo-boo pouty face and stuff like that. And you need guys like Kiermaier who have been through this a time or two. If you're going to ride every emotion in a 162-game season, that's exhausting. Um, And Kiermaier has seen that on a number of different levels. So having those types of guys around, I feel like, is quite important for this team. Uh, Just uh, under four minutes now till MLB's trade deadline. Uh, either the insiders are gathering up the last bits of information or we will head into the afternoon quiet. We will take you to Toronto this afternoon uh, for game two of this set between the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Still haven't seen a full lineup out of the Jays yet. Uh, They've got some time before submitting it. We do know that Hunjin Ryu gets the start for the Jays. We know that George Springer is going to be back in the lineup tonight. Uh, Ryu has no restrictions on him in his first start back this season, according to manager John Schneider. And, of course, Bo Bichette dealing with that knee discomfort uh, will not play tonight. We're expecting uh, Santiago Espinal to get the start at shortstop. Uh, Yankees acquiring right-handed reliever Keenan Middleton from the Chicago White Sox per Jeff Passan. Well, it's the first time I've ever heard of him in my life, so I'm not too worried about that one. There you go, Yankees fans. You can... Revel in that uh, from Jeff Passan. Who, by the way, let's let's give a shout out to Jeff Passan here. If you if you haven't heard, crazy story. It doesn't sound real. Yeah, but literally was out in his yard. I can't. I don't know where Jeff lives because why would anyone? It says Kansas City on his Twitter bio, so I'll I'll go with that. Um, was cleaning up in his yard and a tree literally fell on him and broke his back. He's literally That's on the so crazy. on the IL and he's still out here breaking trades and you think that would give you some uh mercy points when it comes to GM hey man, come on. I I, I, I at this point with it I being can't. with it being so quiet around trade deadline, I would have sent a text to literally thirty GMs being like, God, you guys are breaking my back over here, man. Like it's just I am <laughs> I have to do all this heavy lifting with a broken bet. You guys are just killing me over here. <laughs> help me help you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Jason Stark says Philly's closing in on a deal with Pittsburgh. Uh, left-handed pitcher Bailey Falter for multi-position right-handed hitting infield. Uh, Rodolfo Castro. So. Um, kind of day it's been. It is. That is the <laughs> kind of day it's been. Uh, we are going to have to say goodbye to you. We'll take you to Jay's pregame coming up in just moments here. Uh Whatever comes down the next couple minutes, I would remind you uh, if you're interested in what comes down the next little bit here that it is um, much like any trade deadline. These deals just have to be in in the next 60 seconds or so uh, into the league by then, and they can be processed after the trade deadline as long as the initial trade call has come in soon. Yeah. So uh, these deals, as they always do, will trickle down and perhaps Peter, when we're here tomorrow, uh, we'll talk about another Jays move that uh, did or did not happen uh, ahead of their game against Baltimore. Thank you, sir. It's great to be back with you again today. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Andy McNamara and Kurt Benzmiller for joining us this afternoon. Shout out to our outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor. And thank you for, uh, and also Azam. I should mention Azam's there as well. He took over for Cam a little bit later on, so don't yeah. forget him. Uh, thank you for listening live or on the podcast. We really appreciate it. 
We will be back tomorrow for a Wednesday edition post-trade deadline for the uh, Major League Baseball. Jays and Orioles coming your way a little bit later on tonight. You can listen to it live right here on your home of the Jays, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.